now, Whom Pods Destroy. Hello and welcome to Whom Pods Destroy, a Star Trek discussion podcast focusing on the original series. I'm here with my two furry friends. Oh, sorry. No, that's a different podcast. Uh, yeah, no, my, my, two, my two friends here who are interested in triples. No, that's a different podcast as well. Um, Graham Sibley. Hello. And Terry DeFellin. Hello. And I'm your host, Derek Mantle. Um, our last episode of Human Post Destroy, Destroy, we mentioned that we were going to do something a bit lighter, um, especially coming up to the um, Christmas season or the holiday season. Uh, and we've decided to do something which is a bit more fun. And we've finally got round to the trouble with triples, uh, which is uh, an interesting episode and also a fun episode. Uh, and we're going to have a little discussion to find out if there are any interesting takes. Um, does it work very well? Uh, did we enjoy ourselves? Um, and uh, any other sort of picolados that we'll pick up out of this thing? Picolados. Yeah, it's usually to do it's with... It's a type of grain they use. It's good. <laughs> Quadro picolado. <laughs> Quadro yeah. picolado. Oh, well, there Quadro you picolado. go. <laughs> well, there you go. Russian, then. Yes. Yeah. Oh, we're not allowed to say Russian these days, are we? Invented by a little <laughs> old lady in the Soviet Union. It's a little old lady from Leningrad. <laughs> yes. Sorry, that's the last check of impression everything. with him. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, so, um, Graham, I'm going to go to you first. Are you? Good. You know, um, you watched this recently, again. Yes, yes, I did. Probably the hundredth time you've watched this. I, it's been a long time since I've seen this, because it, it, it is such a familiar episode. So, uh, it I was, I, I, I watched it and I thought, you know, I haven't seen this. Probably the last time I saw this was when I re-watched it after the Deep Space Nine episode... Um, Triples and tri- well, uh, trials, trials and, and tribulations. Tri- tribulations. Uh, easy so, for you to say. Yes, it is not very easy. So I won't be saying it again this episode. <laughs> um, so, so that's a matter of hell of a long, long time, time ago. So uh, I think I might have seen it in between, in, in the between time, but it did seem like a long time ago. And of course, now I'm watching it with a sort of an analytic view of it, watching it and seeing if there's anything that I can pick up out of it, or seeing if there's anything new about it and uh and really i don't want to talk about it being a funny episode anymore i want to talk about how hard hitting it is because this has got everything in it this has got this has got uh environmental disaster uh taking a species out and transporting it out of its natural environment and also it is a huge uh allegory against rampant uh capitalism you forgot about the substance abuse as well. Of course, that as well. I mean, it's got everything yeah. in it. This, and the this racism. Episode. Yes. Well, there is that. But then then this is yeah. TOS, so it's always there, yeah. isn't it, somewhere? Close enough to smell them. <laughs> Guess who's coming to dinner? Yes. Yes. Oh, no, no, no. You, you, can't, you can't smell them in space. You know, that's stupid. Chekhov can. Yeah. Chekhov can because he's got a racist nose. Yeah. His racist nose is never wrong. <laughs> His Russian racist nose. His Soviet racist nose. Sorry, Soviet racist <laughs> nose. Was it a Soviet racist nose? Or was it just Russian? <laughs> well, well, I think he kept well. saying that there were a Russian invention. Yes. Yeah. 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 He wasn't to know that, that Leningrad would, would change its name back within right. 30 years, would it? No, of course not. Yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. You know, I, I'm going to go to Terry now because you've completely dumbfounded me. <laughs> How, did you enjoy the episode? Yeah, I always enjoy Trouble with Tribbles when I've seen it. But I, I, I've seen it many times. Like I've seen them all many times, but I've only seen. I haven't seen this one as many times as perhaps uh, you might think, because although it's an acknowledged classic, um, I think I'm probably too serious a Star Trek fan to watch it because sometimes it's 
the comedy beats I find a little bit, you know, uns, un, you know, too, too, you know, not serious enough for is, me. Is that the problem with the episode? Because it's like the open door to Star Trek. It is, it is the sort of thing that, you know, oh, yeah, we'll have this here. Then everybody who wants to watch a Star Trek episode, you know, any, any sort of casual person, is there, I might sit down and watch an episode of, of TOS or, like, you know, yeah. an episode of Star Trek. Hey, just watch this one. This one will be for you. You'll enjoy this and then, and then, and then go away. <laughs> it is kind of entry-level uh, entry yeah. Star Trek, and it's got all the elements of the Star Trek universe well, well established well, there. We know, that's, know what the Federation that's is. That's the really know. good thing about it because it's got everything in it. I mean, this pretty much... Just like halfway through the whole run, and yet it's got everything in there. It's even got the three D chessboard uh, make, makes an appearance in the background. That's how much that, that that's how much they cram into into this as far as the uh, of of the stuff of TOS is concerned, isn't it? Yeah, there's no planet side stuff. It's set on a space station, um, and, and it feels properly futuristic. But it also has that quite comfortable sort of ordinary feel to it. It feels like a, a like like this is actually people just having a normal day, hanging out in their offices, working and stuff like that. Obviously, yeah, there is the there is the the fact that the Klingons arrive and 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 you know there's there's serious things going on. But the tone of the episode is is that this is supposed to be just a. A, a day at the office. And Kirk wanders around the episode, acting like acting like a middle manager who's got a headache and he's having a bad day. Maybe he had a couple too many wines the night before, and he's just struggling through the day. He's got some unexpected curveballs thrown at him, and it just feels like that. So it feels quite familiar. You know, the the Enterprise crew act and behave like normal people having having a, an extraordinary day, but at the office. And and I think that's why it's so. So charming. I was also thinking that it was probably quite a fun experience for the actors as well, because they looked like that they were there was quite a lot of space for everyone. You know, Uhura was was had quite a people got a chance. Yeah, yeah. And it's an ensemble episode. Yeah, and certainly. We, yeah. By the time we get to the second season, we don't have too many of those. Obviously, David Gerald is the writer. David Gerald is steeped in Star Trek lore got uh, stuck into the next generation as well in the uh, early days of the next generation actually had a very bad relationship with Roddenberry in the end but he is he he knows the franchise quite well um and I think that was 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 quite one of those guys who I think was actually quite keen to expand the ensemble you know although he wasn't around much I don't think he was he was he I think he was working on first season stuff and he was working on the series but I don't know how many how much actual work he's credited for um, but it feels like in that respect also a bit like an early first season episode because you've got that kind of sense of ensemble. You know, th there's not just Kirk, Spock, and McCoy um, in, in in it, and and that's quite refreshing too. Well, with David Gerald, I believe that he this he was um, looking at uh, working for Star Trek in the first series. As I think this is his first episode, the first first. I think this is script. the only script he writes for the t for TOS. Is it? Oh, okay. it's the, I think it's the only credited one. He yeah, and he may well have done some doctoring. He, yeah, he, he did a treatment on iMud. Got uh, it. Right. Um, he probably wrote the comedy beats for iMud. Yeah, then probably. Yeah, yeah. Which, so which only precedes this in I think yes, production, production order. order. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because his first script that he wrote or submitted, I should say, was a, a, a proper sort of uh, science fiction, hardcore science fiction. That, in what we would consider was to do with a, uh, a multi-generational ship right. but it was seen as a bit too too hard to do and I believe that this episode 
when it was first submitted in the first series, uh, when the first series was on, was also seen as being quite an expensive episode at the time. Well, it, 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 I mean, you in know. theory, it is. If you were if you were making it in the first season, it was because you're talking about building quite a lot of sets, aren't you? But in this in this episode, of course, there's probably a lot of potential to redress existing sets mm. and, and and make it work. Um, and I mean, they probably were able to redress some of the corridors from the from the Enterprise sets and some of the some of the rooms, some of the sets from basically the Enterprise. Sets. So, so they, they were able to make that work. But I recognised that you know the transporter pad in in Lurie's office just like reminded me of Court Martial of that episode Court Martial and, yeah. and, and and that from there. And as a Star Trek fan who had watched these episodes over and over again, there was that nice sense of familiarity about it. You, you felt like it was at home. And it, it, and actually watching it through, you know, the prison now, because I watched it yesterday for the first time, I think in over a decade. I'm certain over it, well over a decade um, since I last watched it. And I've got a feeling that the last one I watched was was my old DVD before remastered. Mm. I don't think I've watched the remastered version of this before. That's how long it's been uh, since I watched it. And I, 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 so I, I immensely enjoyed it, you know, because, it, I, I, but... I can understand why they chose DS9 to do the sequel because the it, anniversary. actually it felt like a DS9 episode yeah. in parts. Well, it's on a space station. It's on a space station. <laughs> yeah. There's, it's set in a, well, it's large parts of it are set in a bar. Perhaps too many sets in, in a bar. But yeah, it's got that, that mm. DS9 feel. And I think that, I don't know whether they did, but when they looked at building DS9, maybe they looked at Trouble with Tribbles and thought, this is the kind of potential yeah, Trouble with Tribbles sort of like gave us an example of what, where Star Trek could go, you know, if you if you have a diverse range of characters, mm. and, and it gives you a little bit of license to make some comedy episodes, or at least have episodes with more comedy beats and a bit more lighthearted, um, and they ended up doing that in in Deep Space Nine, and I think that's that's actually quite gratifying to get that connection with Trouble with Tribbles, and actually you know thinking that well this episode's already got quite a considerable legacy. Now, in my own mind, it's got an even bigger legacy because I think it's it's a progenitor to DS Nine, which is you know one of my favourite Star Trek series. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're dead up, dead right actually, because thinking about it, the, the structure of the story right at the beginning, you've got this distress call, which isn't really a distress call; it's just a bureaucrat sort of messing messing with with you know the, the messing with the buttons. Yeah, <laughs> messing with the buttons. Yeah, hitting too many buttons and then calling the Enterprise <laughs> eject capsule. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jetson Pod. <laughs> <laughs> so of course they go, they steam there, red alert and everything like that, and get to get to the space station. And what happens? It's it's a bureaucrat, and it's uh, and it's also um, our friend. What's the um, person who's in charge called again? Mr. Lurie. Mr. Lurie, yes. Yeah. Who's um, an interesting actor because um, I had seen him before, and I don't know if you'd noticed him. You know, we we actually spoke about the actual program last episode. Did we? Yes, we it wasn't did. Spazio, was it? No, no, no he's not in Spazio. We're no. out of limits, surely. No, no. Whitbissell? Whitbissell was General Kirk in Time Tunnel. Time Tunnel. Yeah, yeah. Time Tunnel. You know, so there's a little, there's there's two no, little kid. connections yeah. there. Um, I when I when I saw him first, I thought he was actually uh, the, the the person from um, Mr. Waverley from uh, the Man from Uncle. Yeah, that's Leo G. Carroll. I know. Yeah, yeah. and I, I thought, oh, oh, that's him. No, it's yeah. not. No, yeah. he, he he was just doing exposition in another TV in, show. Yes, <laughs> doing the same type of character, yes. basically. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you're steeped in US TV lore as I am, you know your whip whistle, whip whistles from your Leo G. Carrolls. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know. But um, yeah, no, it's, it started off as you mentioned. It's it's quite an interesting delivery expose about how people work. Because when Kurt gets there, as you said, he's had a bad day at the office. And someone's pressed the big red button, and then you've got a bureaucrat in his face. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. And going back to what Terry was saying, I mean, the, the, he this is the forerunner of Cisco's role in, yeah. in DS Nine, isn't it? And you've got the you, you, you've got the the uptight bureaucrat, you know, do, just just pull, throwing his weight around and uh, and getting in the way and messing things up. And uh, and yeah, there is interactions and interactions, and then you've got other characters coming in. So. Actually, you're building up a complex web there, aren't you, of, mm. of interactions between characters. Loads of guest stars in this, aren't yeah. there? They've yeah. probably got the longest list of guest stars, I think, of any episode. It must have been an expensive episode to make, because even though they might have cut a few corners on the budget with, sweet, yeah. with some of the sets, but yeah, they've got some... There's a lot of speaking parts in, in this. They've had to write... There's a lot of dialogue. Yeah. Um, which is surprising, considering that some of the scenes do feel stretched out a little bit too much. How long does that fight go on That for? fight scene goes on way too long. <laughs> and it's a mistake they make in Trials and Tribulations as well. Yeah. That fight scene goes on way too long, and they even make a bigger mistake because they mess up the music as well. Yeah, they take the music I, I, away. I, really. Even Serrano Jones's like, like sort of like moonwalk out of the bar, it, it, it takes forever for him yeah. to yes, get his gag in. Yeah, yeah it? it's uh, it's it's. I mean, it's a, a, when you're looking at that aspect of it, the, that fight, there's there's a deliberate intention to focus on Serrano Jones through the, throughout that fight. He is the centre yeah. of that fight. And at this moment, you're sort of thinking, I feel like I'm watching a backdoor pilot for another TV show. Yeah. But I think it's because it's so unfamiliar that the guest star would be so much at the centre of that in in that way that you felt, you know, I almost feel as if we're being being pushed Cyrano Jones as almost like for his own series. That that is not the case. No, no. But it just felt like that that was the case. The, the, The fight scene itself is pretty much Batman, isn't it? Yeah, it is got a lot of that. You do need the the pal <laughs> bash and 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 you've got this Serrano Jones who looks like a season three Batman villain. The music could have been the music. Was, I yeah. mean, it was all it was missing with. But I mean, it could have been. Yeah, All you need is a couple of one liners of Scotty as well. When we say Batman, we mean the nineteen sixties Batman. By the way, listeners, not 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 subsequent Batman. Not Christopher Nolan Batman. No, and certainly not the latest one, which was is very different. And and Donna Jones plays it like uh, like look like like uh, Doctor Smith in in Lost in Space, isn't he? And, uh, the the 1960s or Lost Harry Mudd. <laughs> yes. Or, well, he, yeah, but he's lighter than Harry yeah, Mudd. Like, like, and Harry yeah. Mudd is genuinely evil. Yes. He yeah. is he yeah. is nasty piece of work and should be taken down. Whereas Jones is is more a comedy. He, yeah. he is comedy. He's yes. a he's a he's a spear. He's a He's not evil. He's not harmless. No, <laughs> because he, he transports you know dangerous animals, and, <laughs> yes. and, and, and he's a, and in many ways he's an environmental criminal and should be locked up. But he is, you know, I mean, he doesn't. He means no harm towards anyone. He's just trying to make make a living, and that's the other aspect of it. It opens up that area of the life outside that we can look back on. And think well, there is a life outside the Federation as yes. well. It's not all gravy. It's not all no. post scarcity economy. No. There are people out there in space who are trying to carve out yeah. a modest living by selling hooky goods and yeah. stuff like and, that. And, and the scene with the barman is great because it yeah. it, does, it, it shows you that the that you know, the rampant excesses of capitalism still alive and well in the in the in the twenty third century. Yes. Because here you got the the barman who has just done this deal. And you can see how he's making his markup, saying, "Oh, I'll add ten percent," and adding sixty-six percent on instead. Oh, and a, it's a proto quark. 
Yeah. Yes, yeah, very yeah. much. Uh, who runs the bar? Yeah, and he so, runs the bar. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think that that is really. I I love the um, I love the exchange that that, that exchange there because it, I mean, it is a critique of capitalism. I mean, let's not take <laughs> too seriously. But it is a it is it's a yeah. it was a bit of fun and, yeah. and, and 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 but it is a it is a critique of capitalism and taking the Star Trek body as a whole. You know, we can look at it as such and enjoy it yeah. um, uh, as that and say, well, this is the sort of stuff that they got away from. And you've always, you've got Uhura sort of like rather coolly looking at them, sort of like, you know, yeah. thinking, all right, well, you, know, you capitalists figure it out. And when you're ready, you'll <laughs> come to me and I'll just probably pay you the money because I come from a place where, you know, we have all the money yeah. and, and none of the money because, you know, we've completely redone it. So, ha, ha. Yeah. So perhaps a little bit haughty and patronising, but, you know, let's not project too much on that. Why not? Going back to uh, Ahura, actually, because so, we, we mentioned her in the last episode for a little bit, but mm. this was actually really nice to see, uh, you know, at least a bit of uh, screen time with her in a completely different place, not being terrorised by gods from you know other galaxies in, in other episodes, but just being a human being. And Nichelle Nichols actually said that, that she really enjoyed this episode because it actually she actually felt like you know just being a normal woman on a, on a, on a, on a normal sort of day out at a bar. You know? Yeah. Um, but it was great to see her, and and also actually lovely to see in like yourself. I saw this in the remastered edition. And the colours are brilliant, and she looks stunning. She does. She, look, yeah, you know. she looks. Um, but uh, yeah, a sad loss. But it's great that we've still got episodes uh, of Star Trek. So, yeah, and and this is one of her finer uh, performances, definitely. And, and and again, yeah, because she's she's just somebody who's just at work. And I, my favourite scene is the bridge scene where Kirk is piling on all these tribbles and she's got this pen between her hands. And she just, for all the world, just looks like this put-upon <laughs> put upon sort of like junior office worker who's being, you know, dumped on by her manager who's who's having a really, really bad day. There's a, a, a warmth and there's a familiarity to the to that, and that's that's the same with all of these, with all, with the entire episode. It just feels incredibly familiar, not just because of the sets, but it just feels like you're watching a bunch of people just like you know doing stuff in a normal way that you can that you can relate to. Even Spock and even Spock is brilliant in this episode because he's got some absolute killer lines. He I mean, does. He's, yeah. You know, there's a, there is always the potential for for comedy for a character like Spock because he's so deadpan and so dry yeah. that he that, that he that he has occasionally made joke, jokes and some of the gags or the just the one liners are there just leaning across and going and that gives him the authority and then it, it is is some of the best chemistry between Kirk and Spock that you'll see even like um, uh, was it William Shatner you can see he actually started using his comedy chops in this you know the the the, the way he's his expression in so many different ways you know going up against a bureaucrat just looking like he just didn't give a toss about what that person thought and just thought that this get get rid of this person he's, you know, it's it's only until they got into his chicken sandwich and coffee that yeah. he starts to take the whole thing seriously <laughs> yeah. yeah and it's only at that point that actually things suddenly do suddenly become more serious the serious yeah. i mean the, the backdrop of this area is incredibly serious and that's the thing about it. but it needs like it needed an admiral to sort of like go on screen and say this is serious take this seriously you know <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> <laughs> the, the bones of the story is a serious story yeah. because originally well, Graham said at the beginning yeah. it is it's a critique of capitalism it's about it's environmental disaster well, an environmental disaster is the thing I was going to go for yeah. because the thing is is that this the idea for this story was the disaster of the rabbits 
uh, in Australia. Australian rabbits, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. sort of like the idea that they could decimate, you know, sort of like environments. Um, and, you know, and they originally had the idea of actually putting this on a, a colony, you know, which would, would obviously have changed it quite a bit from the idea about being on the station and also on a starship, where obviously you can control the ecological damage, but it was still there with the grain, mm. you know. Um, yeah, this whole episode is a massive failure on on, on Kirk's part. part yeah, isn't it? yeah. No, he, he, he has one up. he has one job, and that's to protect the grain. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he kind yeah. of gets bailed out <laughs> by the fact that things get deeper because yeah, there's there's a, there's a Klingon spy, and the guy who's riding him hard is is actually been shielding unwittingly this Klingon spy all these. All, the, all these years, and that gets Kirk off the hook, actually, but he completely stuffs this up. <laughs> yeah. He massively bosses this up. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. But he has his moment of massive indignancy when he's just like standing there, the classic, iconic image of him, you know, yeah. head to foot, you know, up to his neck in tribbles. And, and that's, that's telling you where he is. I mean, he's absolutely up to his neck in it. He's, he's completely misunderstood and misread in this situation and uh, not taken it seriously. And, well, he was lucky. Well, and it was also lucky that also the Klingons who were there weren't actually the Klingons that we had been uh, you know, introduced before. They were actually the foils to the comedy as well and were behaving very civil <laughs> for most well, of it. Apart from when they started to fight. Yeah, apart from when they started to fight. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but, you know, Scotty had, like, tanked himself up by then. I mean, yes. any, you know, he's there with booze. <laughs> can we, can we just... Know. Sorry, can I just interject here? Because that was the thing that made me laugh about this, was, like, looking at previous episodes where we've discussed Scotty and his alcoholism. <laughs> <laughs> like, so so they, go in, they go into... He's in, he's in the rec deck, in the mess hall, whatever they call it, on the Enterprise, and he's reading his technical manuals. He's sitting there. In his spare time, reading his technical manuals. Oh, oh, you'll read technical manuals. Oh, no, 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 no. I said, right, okay. So you just lead the hard liquor to when you're on duty. Then <laughs> is, that, is that is that how it works? I, I thought I thought like oh, I'll, I'll catch up on my technical manuals. Uh, that, that was like a euphemism. I'm just going to get myself absolutely yeah. shit faced. <laughs> I'm going to get myself shit with with some green liquid and watch a load of porn in my cabin for twelve hours. Yeah. See you later. Oh, Scott in his technical manuals. <laughs> Technical manuals, <laughs> but that scotch that he was drinking—I don't. That's like either that is a large measure of scotch, or he drinks it with large. water, which doesn't yeah. seem no. strike me as being authentic. Yeah, Scotty's—I no. don't think Scotty drinks scotch with water. I—I uh, I, I think that was a quadruple. There, I think that's Ooh. what it was. It was more than a quadruple, I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah, well, no wonder he got into a fight with a Klingon. Then, if that was, that was, that was what he was I can't remember what was what was uh, Chekhov drinking at the time. Vodka. 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 Oh yeah, vodka. This is vodka. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But and, and Chekhov's, uh, you know, in this as well, obviously, and there from the beginning, and and he's a still quite a new character. So it feels like that this is an episode. Almost feels like it's introducing Chekhov as a character. Of course, the funny thing is, is that they don't go anywhere with this. And I suppose no. that's the disappointment. I suppose of the episode is that these characters they have this lovely moment where they all shine, and we see the ensemble, and we, again we see what Star Trek is capable of, what the original series is capable of, and it has to be until subsequent series of Star Trek before we actually get that realised that potential, because they pretty much go back to Kirk, Spock, and McCoy pretty much immediately afterwards, don't mm. they? Um, and it's a it's a bit of a shame, but uh, but but nevertheless, we, you know, we should totally celebrate uh, this for 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 that moment. 
as we should the fact that William Campbell is back. Oh yes, brilliant. Yes, the brilliant William Campbell is back. So you notice the uh, the, the the rather hurried edit when him and Kirk are first meeting, and he's talking about his his crew's need for for Shirley when he makes the the oblique reference to the fact that the Federation ships have women on board. I didn't get that. Did you yeah. not see it? You no. have to you have to look at because it's very very big. You, you you've, oh. you've got to you you've got to look out for it very very quickly. But it, what he does, he does the the hand hourglass uh, shape. Oh. You just about see where you see that um, when he's talking. About, I don't know what the exact words he uses. I can't remember now. But he's saying about we don't have the those unnecessaries uh, on there when he's making the shape yeah. with his hands. Yeah, um, sort of like. I think it's 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 the censors must have looked at that and said, No, 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 you've gotta you've gotta re edit that. So they yeah. cut it very but if you look at it carefully, it's still there. It's still you still there. see the, 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 the his hands moving there and, oh, and it gets the idea of what he's actually talking about. Oh. But yeah, brilliant from, from William Campbell yeah. as, as ever, you know, coming and giving it the whole vaudeville shtick and 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 being and really, really like like establishing what the Klingons really are, I think. What vaudevillian supervillain? <laughs> yes, basically. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah the kind of and, who... and certainly in in the whole Batman sort of like role of uh, yeah, he could be the Penguin, couldn't he? In this, yeah. He? So funny the direction that the Klingons ended up taking. <laughs> when you look at the trouble with Tribbles and think, actually, they could have gone somewhere completely different. I mean, I would like to think that there's a there's a strand of fan fiction where they just do that. <laughs> where they just actually because when Koloth comes back he's much more of your bog standard yeah, yeah, sort of yeah, like yeah. you know I mean fights with honour and all of that stuff I mean he's still identifiably Koloth because William Campbell is a is an accomplished actor and, and, and I like the way that the Klingons turned out don't get me wrong but you know it would have been really fun to have said, well, <laughs> yeah. the Trials and Tribulations sort of like has that moment, that scene There's a scene when, when the DS9 crew are in the bar mm. and they notice, they see the Klingons because they obviously get involved in the fight and they see the Klingons and then they look at Worf and then they, and, it, and it's a great scene. It's a great <laughs> we're, we're, yeah. and, and, and And they say, because it's also, they say, oh, well, what is it? Some kind of genetic mutation, a virus? Which then calls Manny Koto, then goes, yeah, all right, I'm going to turn that into a three-part episode for series four of <laughs> Enterprise. Which is like, no, don't, they weren't being serious. It was just a throwaway line, you know. And I like the fact that we just don't like to discuss it with outsiders. I thought that's perfect. Yeah, that's per. You don't have to take this any further. The clear, you didn't have ridges back then because, like, that's just not what you thought. We can't do ridges. It's yeah. too expensive. They probably didn't even conceive of ridges. And I think it would have been really interesting if the opening sequence of Star Trek, the motion picture, had had Captain Koloff, yeah. you know, on the bridge, you know, in the in the same garb, almost the same garb and, as that. And, and, and it would have been a much more interesting thing and more impactful. Well, and there and would have taken, yeah. I mean, we wouldn't have got Krug, which it would have been disappointing. Yeah. But, you know, I think we would have lived. And I, I mean, it's it's a really interesting portrayal of the Klingons, and it's the probably the most. There's how many Klingon episodes are there? There's three, three or four, aren't there? Yeah. There's 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 one in the second season which is just rubbish. But the the two standout ones for yeah. me are this one yeah. and Errand of Mercy, mm-hmm. and that's that's all the Klingon you need. That's yeah. that, that for me, and I think it's a bit of a shame that they they went off anywhere. But I suppose when they decided to make them friends, they kind of had to sort of like big up the mm. you know the martial. I suppose and the uh, and Day of the Dove, you're you're sort of seeing where where they're yeah. going to, or that's I think where fandom takes 
the, the, yeah, the I think so. Really but under. but trouble with Tribbles gives us an opportunity to look at where actually they could have taken it another way. If they said actually yeah. this is a brilliant episode, we should make more of this kind of yeah. episode. And which is good because it, it give, you you get three really great Klingons. You get you get Kang, you get Kor, you get Koloth, and, yeah. they're, and but they're all very different. And and that's and and when they yeah, you're right when they all come back the three yeah of them, for Blood Oath yeah yeah which is lovely. It's a cracking it's episode. Cracking episode. Yeah, 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 it is brilliant when yeah. they all come back. But they are all. They are all crewed up, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and it's a sentimental it. episode yeah. as well. Yeah, there is a I mean, I want to go back to actually the, the, the you know, this is going completely off pissed here. Pissed. Going off pissed. Yeah, well, we'll do that later Dex on. going off pissed. Scott, are you there? Leaving yeah, already. Let's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. play some of those bagpipes in the background. Do you, do you remember the DC graphic novel by Chris Claremont? I do. Debt of Honour. Debt of Honour, I do, yes. You know, uh, which I've done that recently as well. I love that, that that graphic novel and that's where you actually they kept the uh, the Klingons as they were yes but they were a, 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 a sub a subspecies yes. of the Klingons yes mm-hmm. and they were basically just um, for some reason because of the um, interactions with uh, Kirk and the Federation because they had failed so many times they were they were superseded by the ridged guys yeah, yeah. this is a this is this this i think this stems from the pocketbooks or maybe from fassa even ah. might even stem from fassa so it's psycanon yeah uh, and and the comics picked up on on it as well do you remember Alan Asherman's dc he did that in, for dc he yes, did that two part yeah. like encyclopedia yeah it was a who's who was who's who that's yeah. right yeah. it was brilliant yeah. and they there was a bit on, on on the klingons and he explains that this is how it worked it was some kind of class war and 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 yeah the the, the smooth head guys were just like you know, kicked out. But then along comes, you know, Star Trek and says, mm, no, we, we don't do we don't that. Do that <laughs> we'll just give them bridges. <laughs> and I said, well, how are they done that? And I said, well, they're obviously, the reason is obvious. The reason is, <laughs> is, the, is budget. That's budget. the reason why. Yeah. Okay? And, and so we don't talk about it anymore. They had ridges when, they had ridges in the 1960s, right? which just, you couldn't see them because we didn't bother putting them on. <laughs> because, because we didn't have the money and we hadn't thought of it at the time. The b- uh, reverse uh, retconning those ridges was just like such a waste of of, of good 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 film yeah and good true. script writing and, and talent it was just such a waste of time anyway sorry yeah, we, yeah. The, I'm, I'm now going off pissed yes. yeah <laughs> yeah well we, yeah we will go off pissed soon very soon um but uh, yeah uh, well i suppose are there any other sort of things that we should put into you know at least point out because i mean i think we've actually covered it very well we have but and that's interesting because there is a lot in this episode but some of the 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 scenes are dragged out like the fight scene Mm. is dragged out but also as well like the um the whole thing about when when um Kirk gets gets all the, the the guys from the fight scene to come and try and fess up and see who did it and and they take you through the same gag again yeah. that they've already gone through in the bar where, like, you know, yeah, you can put down the captain, but you can't put that, that down the ship. Mm. And so, all right, so we're, we, we're hearing this gag again, but yeah. we've already gone through this. And it takes so long to get out of them. It's like at the end when, the they, end when, when they beam the, 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 them over to the other ship, which, you know, it, it's... A, it's uh, OK, well, <laughs> we can go into that, but... Um, yeah, that goes on. It takes forever to like, beat it out. It's got to go around like, two and a half times around the bridge before he like gets a straight answer. And it, it's those sort of things where you, you sort of think, well, yeah, I know it can't be like you know gag after gag after gag after gag, but I think there is there's so much 
air in, in, in this episode. So much sort of time that you could be doing something else. And it's not, usually I would say, oh, it needs a decent subplot. But it's got the decent subplot. <laughs> it's just the fact that there, that I don't know whether or not because it was um, played for laughs that they, they thought, well, let's not, concentrate too much on on other on other elements and then just yeah i think just that's go with i it. think that's what yeah. it was i mean i it did it does occur to me say well they did they did just simply not have enough story yeah to fill the episode which is ex- very unlikely yeah that that was the case um i think it was more that they just like that, that that's just they thought that that was an appropriate pace with which to to, to do these scenes yeah. um, and that maybe in 1967 68 that that was funny mm. and perhaps now we are our uh, the, the kind of humor that we watch these days is much much quicker it's much more frantic sure. um, and 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 i think it just comes from a different time so i suspect that that's just it's just because it's old and it's just got an unfamiliar it's, beat to us i think that's probably it. it's, it's more in that sort of vaudevillian sense isn't yes. it really I mean, well, the, the, the fight scene yeah. certainly to is. drag the gag out the yeah. understanding that we know the gag is coming so let's stretch it out as long stretch as possible it, yeah. build up the anticipation then hit them with the gag yeah. and everybody laughs yeah. and that's the idea I don't know whether or not humour really works like that now no. I'm not certain that that's how, Almost that's how it works not. Um, I, I, apparently David Gerald didn't like the idea of the tribbles um, being used to find the spy um, he thought it was a bit hokey in in a in a comedy episode, but um, I uh, I think that worked really no, well. No, it worked really well. Yeah, it, yeah. Mm. They, they actually gave them. They they became of of value. Yeah, you know? it's just and it's a shame that uh, the decision to beam them onto the Klingon ship was was all was uh, was actually quite awful. But I mean, it wasn't. It didn't <laughs> yeah. feel awful when you're watching it. Because, no, because yeah. because the whole tone of the of the episode is funny. It's <laughs> yeah. a comedy episode. So. Well, you just imagine <laughs> it's Klingon. You know, is it battle cruiser just going back side to side as them you know, <laughs> sort of being scared by all these tribbles all over the controls. <laughs> well, you know. thought, oh right, would they okay. have all died? So, yeah. Well, you didn't beam them out into space, do you? No, I didn't. I beamed them over to to the Klingon ship, so they can beam they them can, out into yeah, space. Yeah, exactly. They can be utterly yeah. slaughtered, presumably. But the 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 because the, the story uh, the the Worf then talks about it in Trials and Tribulations, and he talks yes. he explains like he said, oh yeah, they were all hunted down to extinction by the late twenty third century. He said they're a complete blight. They just destroy mm. absolutely everything. And on this is his thing is this is this is why. You know, the Klingons are kind of right on this because the Tribbles <laughs> just are, yeah, they, they, they just consume, reproduce, they give nothing and they'll just, they'll mm. just you know, dr- eat and drink you dry, they'll completely ruin you. You know, they can totally devastate your, your, your ecosystem. Um, but, and, and they're even more insidious because they're cute and furry and lovable and people just can't help. It's only the Klingons are like see them for what they are. So, <laughs> what is it? Is it actually? Is it, is this an, an actually a metaphor for, for for drugs? No. Oh, is it though? No. No. Derek says no. 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 Fur, Furbies. <laughs> it's not a metaphor for Furbies. No, okay. No, Gre- gremlins. Furbies Grem- gremlins. Like, you know, freely available. You know, you can just. You, you, uh, but will destroy. It doesn't add anything to life. You know, it's yeah. Just, yeah, all-consuming. Maybe I don't know because the whole the whole point of drugs, isn't it? The idea is is that you know you get the first few are free and then they jack up the price or something like that. Well, the cost is, is isn't in monetary, is it? It's, you see this thing. Yeah. Resources. In, what, yes, well, the resources in this. I mean, the thing is, you end up with loads of Furbies. <laughs> so you end up. So you want if you're if you're a capitalist, you want to sell them and put a markup, 
and then you destroy the market by selling them and they reproduce. Yeah, but you need demand, don't you, Steve? But, that's see, it, you, that's... but the demand's gone, you know, as soon as you sell yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, no, this is, it's, it's, the tr- it's a metaphor under... for the transition from capitalism to post-scarcity economy. Oh, my word, that's oh. it, isn't it? Oh. Yeah, yeah, that's right, but you have to be able to manage it and uh, uh, otherwise you end up leaving all the capitalists behind and yeah. impoverished. And this is what the, what the Federation can't do. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it, it, and it, so it, it, it's very clever and I'm sure that that's what they thought of when they were writing it. <laughs> Maybe they just yeah. Laugh. Well, how, on earth, how on earth are we going to get this in an episode? And, uh, well, yeah, well, I'm sure we can try. We can, we can try and get this all here. All these messages that we have to try and tell in 1967. I'm sure. For a primetime TV show. Oh, yeah. No, it was, that was, that's just how deep it goes. That's well, this was actually there. a holiday season episode. It was, well. yes. It came out between uh, Christmas and New Year yeah. in 1967. Did it really? Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. and, it's, and I'd say it, it hits the tone. It, it, the right tone. Yeah. But because what didn't is it not the case that that Roddenberry maybe not Roddenberry but maybe other senior management were not happy that this was a comedy episode wanted this to be a series I can imagine mm. that 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 they were thought that it was probably pitched to them as being very very serious like wow this this is this is pretty intense guys fantastic some great themes running here and then next thing you know it's all being done for laughs I think that might have been the case because you see the thing is Star Trek was was new in the respect that all of the other science fiction shows we had before, like Lost in Space and the Glen Eight Last, last mm. and stuff, had comedy stuff in, in it, and but never actually... It never became proper science fiction, you know, or had the good ideas that obviously Star Trek sort of bucked the trend, really, as a, you know, a, an anthology series that continued... Yeah, hired you know, actual uh, science fiction writers yes, to, write, yeah. to, to write its episodes. And there were probably some purists, because even David, David Gerald was actually very wary of... Uh, actually doing anything for Star Trek originally because he thought that it could turn into a Glenn A. Larson lost in space before mm. he actually, you know, because he was actually working... Owen Allen, you mean? Uh, Owen Glenn Allen. A. Larson yeah, is sorry. Buck Rogers. Yeah, oh, yeah, sorry. Right. I, I, about 10 years later. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Which is, You're on the right... But it's yeah, the right it's, sort of thing, yeah yeah, 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 Owen Allen. And, um, you know, uh, the, the thing is with David Gerald is um, he was working at the time for the pilot of uh, Hawaii Five O. Before he actually oh, was he? went into the, the Star Trek stuff, so you know, he was obviously a a young writer. Mm. Um, I also was just going to bring up the the point about um, the thing about Star Trek, obviously using hardcore or hard science fiction ideas or ideas from the golden age of science fiction. Um, we've had issues, obviously, with um, Harlan Ellison before. Mm. We had an issue with this with uh, uh, with Heinlein, actually, where he was actually paid off because it was found out that the Tribbles were very similar to uh, a, a, a creature that he developed in one of his novels uh, called the Flat uh, called the Flat Cats, mm. which which had the same sort of thing of purring oh, and, and. This is Robert A. Heinlein you're talking yes, about. Yes, yeah, oh, right, and okay. so he he was bought off with a, a signed script. Yeah, that was the Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones, yes. Yeah. You know, oh, so. well, the, that was the name of the story, was it? Yes, right. Yeah. Okay, but uh, he, he afterwards when he. <laughs> When he wrote in his biography, he was a bit pissed off because he, he says that uh, he, he, he was given a sob story that they had a young writer, David Gerald, who unfortunately had a similar type of story, who, whether he plagiarised him or not. And to give the, the guy a break, he, he just basically let it go. But he said from then on, when he found out how much Star Trek 
you know, with merchandise later on mm. and all of the stuff. Because, you know, yeah. he said that uh, from now on, he'll never, ever let any of his stuff go no. <laughs> that sort of way. Well, I think that's a good note to actually finish on because I, I must admit, my own personal point of view with uh, The Trouble with Tribbles, I was in the right frame of mind for this episode. And I'm glad that um, we've shared the experience and had a good chat about it. And so for our dear listener, we will be back again, hopefully, with some more interesting things about the original Star Trek series. Um, so from me, Derek Mantle, goodbye. I have a ship to attend to. Au revoir. <laughs> and from me, Graham Sibley, goodbye. 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 goodbye.